I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down, a podcast revisiting the Twilight Saga from a literary perspective. Today we'll be looking at Chapter 12, titled Balancing. Okay, so we start right where we left off, which was with Bella and Edward being in the car and Charlie drives past and also Billy Black and Jacob Black and Billy Black's giving Bella some intense eye contact. So they all sort of converge outside of the house and Charlie says to Jake, I'm going to pretend I didn't see you behind the wheel. So that confirms my memory that Jacob doesn't have a license, but Jacob just lies to him and he's like, yeah, we get permits early on the res. Charlie laughs and he's like, I'm sure you do, but he lets him off. So they go inside and Charlie's like, this is a surprise. And Billy's like, yeah, it's been too long. I hope it's not a bad time. But then his eyes flash up to Bella again with their expression unreadable. And that's notable because Bella's very good at reading eyes. She's very good at reading an eye expression or at least projecting whatever emotion she's feeling onto other people's eyes. So the fact that she can't read Billy Black, that must be unsettling for her. And Billy throws Jacob under the bus because he's like, Jacob was anxious to see Bella again. Ooh. So Jacob scowls and Bella was worried that maybe she was too convincing on the beach when she was flirting with Jacob. And I'm thinking, Bella, you're giving yourself too much credit. So Bella goes to the kitchen to fix up some grilled cheese sandwiches and Jacob follows her. And he's like, say, how you doing? And she's like, yeah, pretty good. Unable to resist his enthusiasm because he's smiling and then she's happy. I'm thinking this this is a normal relationship. Certainly it's less creepy than with Edward. And so Jacob asks her what was wrong with the truck. And she's like, nothing's wrong with the truck. Why? And he's like, oh, because you weren't driving it. And I didn't recognize the driver of that other car that you were in. And she's like, ooh. And he's like, my dad seemed to recognize him though. And she's like, um, could you hand me some plates? thinking that would distract him. But then he keeps asking her, he's like, so who was it? And she's like, oh, it was Edward Cullen. And to her surprise, he laughs. And he's like, oh, that explains it. I was wondering why my dad was acting so strange. To be fair to Billy Black, he hasn't seemed like he's been acting that strange, really. He's just maintaining eye contact. What's so strange about eye contact? And then Bella asks Jacob, and like, you don't think he'd say anything to Charlie, would he? And Jacob's like, no, I doubt it. So the tension in this chapter really... It's not escalating. We started this chapter with a cliffhanger thinking, oh my God, here's the complication. Billy Black's going to come in and he's going to fuck shit up. But all he's really done is, is watch the game on the TV and Jacob's helped to get some plates. As far as complications go, this, is, this was an easy win for Bella because uh, 
nothing, nothing's happening. But then Bella sits with them watching the TV and she's just ignoring everything Jacob's chattering at her because she's trying to eavesdrop on the men's conversation. Just waiting to see if Billy's going to rat her out and so much tension, so much tension. He doesn't. (laughs) It all goes nowhere. What a pointless, pointless scene this has been so far. What, What was the point? There was no point. It was pointless because the game ends and they're like, that was fun. And then they decide to leave. And all Billy does is say, you take care, Bella. And look at her without smiling. And she says, thanks. (laughs) And that's it. And that's it. And then Charlie says, wait a minute, Bella. And we're like, "Uh oh, maybe Billy did say something to Charlie. And he's like, how's your day? (laughs) And I'm like, for fuck's sake, this all could have been cut out. (laughs) Really? Did it contribute to the plot? Nope. And now I'm thinking... I can see why Bella didn't want it to be brought up because it's awkward with her dad, but maybe she could have just cornered Billy and said, hey, Billy, I kind of believe that they're vampires as well now, and I know you have that theory. What are you thinking? Is it safe? Give me some of the context because my boyfriend's not really sharing a lot at this point in time. And like, Billy, if you've come there to keep an eye on her, he should have said something. It's just pointless. It's just four or five pages I'll never get back. And Charlie and Bella just go over the plans for Saturday again about her not going to the dance, blah, blah, blah. He's going fishing now. So he's like, oh, well, it's a good thing you're going to Seattle. She's like, yeah, great. You go have fun fishing. That'll be really nice. And so then she goes to bed. And the next morning she says she slept well enough and that the tense evening with Billy and Jacob seemed harmless enough now. I decided to forget it completely. I was like, yeah, I'll forget about it too because it was so fucking boring. And was it tense? Was it tense? Because it seems like you just watched a football match with your nice family friends. Seems like a great evening. But Bella's like the happiest we've ever seen her because she's like whistling while she's getting ready and then she's skipping down the stairs. And I'm like, you're not grumpy, Bella. Where's that moody teen we've all come to know and get annoyed by? (laughs) See, I was almost about to say no and love, but I really don't like her. So you weren't going to catch me there, Bells. So Edward picks her up. We're, we're really in a pattern now of him just picking her up every day from school and her getting in the car, just being obsessed with his beauty and him asking her questions. We're just stuck in that repetitive rut. And Edward says, how did you sleep? And she said, fine, how was your night? And he says, pleasant. And he's amused as if she was missing an inside joke. And she's like, well, can I ask you what you did? And he says, no, today is still mine. Remember, because they need to take turns to ask questions, but he's getting a double day. And I'm thinking, you'll see you next Tuesday. It wouldn't have been hard to say, oh, I just played some piano and caught up with the family. We played some chess. It was fun. Now back to you. You can answer a question, even though you think it's your day to ask questions back to back for some reason. God, I'm so annoyed that he sprung this back to back on her. So he asks more about her mum and her mum's hobbies. And again, I stand by the fact that Renee is a useless character. That means nothing, but okay. And he asks about any other boys she's dated. And she says, oh, I've never really dated anyone. And he's like, shocked. He's like, what? You never met anyone you wanted? And she's like, not in Phoenix. Meaning she now has met a boy she wants. In Forks. And then Steph gives me bloody whiplash because after she said not in Phoenix... 
his lips pressed together into a hard line. And she says, we were in the cafeteria at this point. And I'm like, bitch, I thought you were still in the car. Way to, way to keep me on my toes because I'm looking back and there was no indication that we've had half a day's worth of school. I was used to the pattern of going to Trig, to Bio, to bloody Jim, and she just cut through all of that. We didn't have to hear about Edward picking her up after Spanish and walking her to the cafeteria. Like, oh, how refreshing. But also, she's keeping me on my toes. Poor me trying to visualize them in the car when, whoop, not they're in the cafeteria. Oh, blindsided. But she's eating a bagel. So that's nice. I'm glad to see her eating. And he says, oh, I should have let you drive today. And she's like, why? And he's like, oh, I'm leaving with Alice after lunch. And she's like, oh, well, thanks for fucking telling me. (laughs) But she's like, okay, I guess I'll just walk home then. And he's like, oh, don't be silly. We'll go home, get your truck, bring your truck here so you can drive your truck home. Which seems silly. Because remember when Edward a few chapters ago was like, the wasting of our infinite resources is everybody's business, like talking about wasting petrol. But here you are just doing trips back and forth between Bella's house and Forks High. And Bella points out, she's like, I don't have my car key with me. Like, what am I going to do? I can't drive it. And she goes, I guess I'll just walk. But all she cares about is that she's losing time with him and she won't be with him for the rest of the afternoon in the drive home. And I'm thinking, I'd be more worried about walking home in the rain. Because remember, you're in the rainiest town in America. But he's like, oh, don't worry, your truck will be here and the key will be in the ignition. And she goes, hmm, all right, she agrees. And in her mind, she's thinking about how the key is probably in a pocket of a pair of jeans she wore on Wednesday underneath a pile of clothes in the laundry room. And she says, even if he broke into my house or whatever he was planning, he'd never find it. And that's all. And I'm like, he just said he's going to break into your house to find your car key. And go through all of your clothes. Like she knows she has just the one key. Or is she thinking maybe he'll hotwire it? But no, because he said the key will be in the ignition. So she has to be under the assumption and realize that he's about to break into her house and go through all her shit. And for me, that's an invasion of privacy. And also, way to presume you're allowed to go through my shit, Edward. But she says, okay, just thinking he'll never find the key. And isn't that exactly your concern? What if he goes through all your stuff? What if he finds like... A vibrator or something. Something embarrassing. uh, Why is she so blasé about him breaking into her house? And I still believe that vampires should not be able to go into a house uninvited. And speaking of privacy concerns, all these questions he's asking her reminds me of like a phishing scheme trying to guess people's passwords. Because he's like, have you ever had any pets? What was the name of the street you lived on as a child? What's your mother's maiden name? And she's just telling him all this stuff. And I'm thinking, he's trying to guess your password. He's trying to crack into your phone. Well, I guess she doesn't have a phone. But he's trying to crack into your shitty laptop or desktop or whatever you're using with your landline dial-up connection. She's putting so much trust into him. And I'm like, you're giving away all your information. And now you're letting him into your house. These are the things we tell people so they don't get scammed. Like we tell old people all the time, be careful who you talk to, be careful with your identity documents and your personal information when you talk to people on the phone or online. People are out there to get you, but Bella's like, whatever, who go and check me? God, that pisses me off. But yeah, she doesn't care. So she's like, well, where are you going? And he says that he's going hunting. He says, if I'm going to be alone with you tomorrow, I'm going to take whatever precautions I can. He's like, you can always cancel though. And his face grows morose and pleading. Like he wants her to cancel. 
and she's like, no, I refuse to be convinced to fear him, no matter how real the danger might be. It doesn't matter. She's like, no, that's okay. You can allude to killing me accidentally as much as you want. And also, Edward, you can't just hunt after school. Why have you got to leave at lunch? Where's your time management skills? You had all night to hunt. You don't sleep, remember? Like, you've got to, you've got to miss biology to go hunting? If it's that hard for you to be at school, don't be at school. Why are you a high schooler? The dumbest book. This is the dumbest book. So then they start talking about the logistics for Saturday, like what time he should pick her up. She's like, yeah, I don't need to sleep in. Let's go straight away. And he's like, will Charlie be there? And she's like, no, he's fishing tomorrow. And she beams at the memory of how conveniently things had worked out. I'm like, the, the memory of this morning. Bella's big on cutting things out of her short-term memory or being grateful for what's in her short-term memory. She's practically Dory from Finding Nemo. And abusive... Creepy Edward says, what will Charlie think if you don't come home? And she's like, oh, I, I don't know. He, he knows I've been meaning to do the laundry, so maybe he'll think I fell in the washer. And Edward gets super angry. And I'm like, mate, it's your power to not kill her and to get her home. He's always taking out his anger on Bella for her not reacting appropriately. But I'm like, maybe you could just not give her reasons to react with fear. How about that? Bella asks him about what he's hunting. She's just super cash. She's just super down to earth. Like, oh yeah, my boyfriend wants to hunt animals. Go for it, bud. Here to support you, babe. And he's pretty much says, oh, whatever we find in the park, we're not going very far. And she's like, why are you going with Alice? And he says that Alice is the most supportive. His other siblings are a bit like, Mm-mm. and she's like, oh, do they not like me? And he's like, no, that's not it. They're just more incredulous and they don't understand why I can't leave you alone. And Bella's like, well, I don't really know why you can't leave me alone either. And he's like, oh, remember you fascinate me because I can't read your thoughts and you're not predictable. And she's like, oh, but she doesn't blush. I actually think she hasn't blushed at all this chapter yet, which has got to be a record for her. And while he's sort of giving her the rundown on his siblings not really liking her, Rosalie glares at her with her dark, cold eyes. She has sustained eye contact with her until Edward makes an angry noise under his breath like a hiss and then she turns her head away. So between Billy giving her eye contact and Rosalie giving her eye contact, Bella's just getting an eyeful this chapter. As as far as plot complications, it's all we've got. So we'll have to let that sustain us. And Edward explains it. He's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. She's just worried. You see, it's dangerous for more than just me if after spending so much time with you so publicly... And then he looks down and she's like, yeah, if, and he says, if this ends badly, and then he drops his head into his hands and he looks anguished and she just wants to comfort him because, because she's bloody weak. And I'm like, what he's insinuating is if Bella were to go missing, Edward and his family would be the prime suspects and then they'd have to move. And Bella's like, oh no, that's so sad. And I'm like, or he could just not kill you. That's still an option on the table. He could just not murder you, Bella. And she's comforting him. Can she not see how cuckoo bananas this is? And then it's almost time for Edward to leave. So Alice comes up. And so we meet Alice. She's described as having short inky hair in a halo of spiky disarray around her exquisite elfin face. And her frame was willowy, graceful, even in absolute stillness. And again, we don't get any description of the clothes she's wearing. Because remember, Bella says she only recognizes their faces because she doesn't stare at their clothes because they're so pretty. And I'm, I'm starting to think that's a cop out on Steph's part because Steph just can't think of anything to say. <laughs> Steph just can't 
come up with an outfit that would suit Alice's personality. So she thought, you know what, I'm just not going to describe it. She does say that Alice has a high soprano voice, almost as attractive as Edward's. So she's like, hello, Bella. Hello, Bella. (laughs) A soprano voice for just everyday character use. That's, (laughs) That's a bit extra. She's just walking around with a soprano voice. That's, you don't say that every day in a cafeteria in high school. I'll tell you that. So he goes off to go hunting and she's like, have fun. And then she's like, oh, is it bad for me to say have fun? And he's like, no, <laughs> that's fine. Have fun works as well as anything. He grins. And again, stop talking about hunting. And he's like, you have fun in Forks. Try and be safe. And she's like, safe in Forks? What a challenge. And he's like, yeah, for you, it is a challenge. Remember, you're a dumb bitch that always gets into trouble. And she's like, oh, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Forgot. So he says, see you tomorrow when he does that thing where he reaches across the table to touch her face, lightly brushing along her cheekbone. And then he turns and walks away. Every goodbye is going to be a cheekbone grace. This much I know. It's the new blush and the new chuckle. It's a trope, if you will. And then Bella says, I was sorely tempted to ditch for the rest of the day, at the very least Jim, but a warning instinct stopped me. I knew that if I disappeared now, Mike and others would assume I was with Edward and Edward was worried about the time we'd spent together publicly. If things went wrong, I refused to dwell on the last thought, concentrating instead on making things safer for him. So she's, she's thinking, oh no, if I get murdered, I wouldn't want Edward to go in the slammer for it or to get in any trouble. So I better dial it back so Edward doesn't get in trouble when he kills me. What the fuck logic is that? What the fuck? 
And so in gym, Mike's talking to her again and he's like, oh, have fun in Seattle. And she's like, she carefully explains that she'd canceled her trip to Seattle because she was worried about her truck. So she's just saying, no, I'm not going anywhere with Edward. She's like really just trying to cover Edward's tracks for when he kills her. That's some Marilyn Manson cult type behavior, right? I am a gog, I am aghast. And Mike's his normal, lovable, helpful self. And he says, you know, you could come to the dance with our big group anyway, if you still wanted to come to the dance, like we'd, we'd all dance with you, which is a lovely offer. But she shuts him down because she thinks Jessica wouldn't take too kindly to that. Bella has very low opinions of Jessica, just thinks she's scum of the earth. So Mike's like, fine, I was just offering. And then he sulks. And so the school day ends and she goes to the car park and there's her truck. And the key is in the ignition. And so when she gets home, the front door's locked just as she'd left it. And she went straight to the laundry room and looked in the jeans that she thought the key was in and checked the pockets and they were empty. And she's like, oh, maybe I'd hung up the key after all, she thought, shaking her head. And and I'm thinking, Bella, you know the key's not in your jeans because you just used it to drive home. And even if you did get it out of your jeans, they wouldn't still be there. So she thinks, oh, I must have hung them up because they're not in my jeans. And I'm like, you just used them. I know logic's not your strong suit, but you you just used your keys. Why'd you check your jeans? Of course they wouldn't be in your jeans. You just used them. And then she's second guessing herself thinking they were never in the jeans because they must have hung them up. You don't, you know, he broke into your house and took your keys because your truck's in the car park miraculously. I, I don't know if Bella's the idiot or Steph's the idiot for writing that, but that's just dumb. And what's even dumber She then calls up Jessica as well and says, oh, I'm no longer hanging out with Edward tomorrow. Just wanted to say have fun at the dance. Just like, again, laying the tracks for Edward's alibi. (laughs) Why is she being an accessory to her own murder? That's what I want to know. And she does it with Charlie as well. At dinner, she's like, oh, dad, I'm no longer going to Seattle. I think I might wait till someone else can go with me. And he's like, oh, okay. Do you want me to stay home with you? And she's like, nah, nah, I've got a lot to do. I've got to do the laundry, got to go to the library, got to go to the grocery store. And I'm thinking, why are you saying you've got to do all these things if you're going to be out of the house hanging out with Edward anyway? That's just making your life harder because then you'll have to race home, do all the things you said you were doing. So she's, she's not very good at making alibis for herself, but for Edward, ah, no problems. And then she does do some laundry and she's thinking with a tiny voice in the back of her mind, worrying if it would hurt if it ended badly, as in hurt her feelings. And I'm like, wouldn't you be more worried if it hurt him drinking your blood, like his teeth ripping apart your throat? But she's like, God, it would hurt if if we broke up. That's what she's thinking. And then the dumb decisions continue because she wants to go to bed early because then she wants to wake up early. You know, when you're excited for something, you're like, oh, I'll just go to bed and then it'll be before you know it, it'll be tomorrow. And she's like, oh, but I really want to sleep through the night and not toss and turn because I want to look good for the next day, blah, blah, blah. So she deliberately takes unnecessary cold medicine to knock herself out. Um, Edward's not good for her health. Now she's she's doping herself up with Codrol just so it'll, she wouldn't have to wait as long to see him again. I mean, I know we've talked about red flags, but that's another huge red flag. And also Steph bit inappropriate of you to be putting all this in a novel that will be read by children and encouraging this type of behavior. Like now who knows how many kids out there have been like, I'm going to knock myself up with some cold and flu and have a good night's rest because she says it worked. She wakes up in the morning feeling great. She, she listens to some music 
And the cold pills took effect and she gladly sinks into unconsciousness. Like, what kind of message is that sending to the readers? I mean, and I know as far as drugs in books go, this is the tamest drug she could have done. But still, the idea that you should be taking drugs to knock yourself out so you can see your boyfriend quicker, that's really unhealthy. Also, cold and flu tablets just don't grow on trees. Like, you're going to get a cold soon and you're going to be like, oh, where did I put my cold and flu? And then you'll be like, oh, shit, I've all run out because I kept doping myself up. So she'll only have herself to blame when she does get a cold. Again, because she's used to a Phoenix climate and now she's in Forks, she probably will get colds a lot and now she's not going to have anything for it because she's doping herself up. Completely irresponsible. But yeah, so she wakes up the next morning and Edward's at her door and he laughs because they're both wearing the same outfit, pretty much. And she realises that he had a long, light tan sweater on with a white collar showing underneath and blue jeans. Why does she realise that he's wearing clothes? You can just look at him and see that he's wearing clothes. I'm not buying that his face is so beautiful that she can't notice his clothes. What a dumb bitch. But it also makes her feel inferior because she's like, why did he have to look like a runway model when I couldn't? She's putting herself down too much because he's got an edge. He's an unnatural supernatural being. He's become a vampire, which in this series gives you good looks. So it's not a level playing field. She's batting against the basement or whatever that expression is. I'm not good with sports, but he's got the jump on her in the looks department. So she's got to let that go. So they get into the truck and Bella's driving, which is just crazy for Edward. And he's like, put your seatbelt on. I'm nervous already. And I'm like, mate, the whole point of her driving is because she's the safer driver. So don't condescend her telling her to put a seatbelt on. But she gives him a dirty look as she complied and puts her seatbelt on. And I was like, you're not complying. You always put your seatbelt on. But she's like, oh, he told me I have to do it. And I'm like, you were going to do it anyway. And he doesn't even tell her where she's going. He just has to keep giving her directions, being like, go down this road, turn left, and then keep going down this road. And I'm like, you can give up some control, Edward. But he's just, yeah, he's just super controlling. Even when he's not driving, he needs to be in charge. And then Bella's driving slow, as she said she would be, because she wants to be safe. And he's like shading her, being like, oh, are we ever going to get out of Forks before nightfall? And I said, well, Twilight's your favourite time of day, so wouldn't that be quite romantic, actually, if you only got there at nightfall? But whatever. And Bella's like, well, what's at the end of the road? And he's like, oh, it's a trail. And she's like, oh, we're hiking? (laughs) And he says, is that a problem? Sounding as if it expected as much. And I'm thinking, if you knew she wasn't going to enjoy hiking, why are you taking her hiking? And he says, don't worry, it's only a five mile hike or so. And she's like, oh, five miles. <laughs> and she's, she's panicked because she's like, that's a lot of roots and loose stones for me to trip over or twist my ankle on. <laughs> she's like, this is going to be humiliating. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's not the best date idea. Edward should know her well enough by now. I mean, he's asked her questions with no end for days and days. So he should know that the outdoors isn't really her thing or walking on uneven surfaces isn't really her thing, but he's doubled down. He's like, nah, she's going to like it. And he's like, so you did tell Charlie what we were up to, right? And she's like, nah. And he's like, but Jessica knows we're going to Seattle, yeah? And she's like, no, I told her that we'd cancelled. And he's like, so no one knows you're with me? And she's like, no. And then he's super angry. He snapped and he's like, that's very helpful, Bella. And he says, are you so depressed by Forks that it's made you suicidal? And, um, Edward, may I remind you again that it's you that's going to kill her. It's in your power to not kill her. 
don't shade her for being suicidal when really you could just not kill her and then everything would be peachy. All you have to do is not kill her. Or if you do, you, you could own up to it. And then it doesn't matter who she's told. Why does it make a difference if you get caught or not? Ah, the logic again. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Just don't kill her. Just don't kill her. And so the rest of the drive is in silence and she can feel waves of infuriated disapproval rolling off of him. For some reason, she's the bad guy. So they get to where they were going and she parks the car and she's heading for the trail. And he's like, oh, we're not going to the trail, sweetie. We're going through this bush. And she's like, okay. And it's warmer than she thought it would be. So she takes off her sweater and he sort of does the same thing because she turns around the car and she's like, oh shit. She stifles a gasp because his white shirt was sleeveless and he wore it unbuttoned so that the smooth white skin of his throat flowed interrupted over the marble contours of his chest. (laughs) So he's like, I'm going to dazzle her with my chest out, with my pale chest. And the other thing that's now registering with me is why is he so pale if he can go in the sun because he's not a normal vampire? So what's to stop him from getting tanned? What's to stop him? But no, he's pale and he's like, I'm going to turn her on and really, really get her all worked up with my, with my marble chest. It's a look. It's a look. You can't deny that it's not a look. If Edward had an Instagram, he would be such a thought. He'd be posting thirst pics. He'd be posting pics of him shirtless, playing the piano with a caption being like, wishing there was a special gal here. And Bella would see it and she'd be like, oh, that's about me. He's got good moves is what I'm saying, but it doesn't really have the right effect because Bella says he was too perfect. I realized with a piercing stab of despair, there was no way this godlike creature could be meant for me. She's always realizing things, isn't she? She's like Carrie at the end of Sex and the City writing up her stories, just being like, and then I realized (laughs) she's been saying he's too perfect for chapters, but now she's realizing it all over again. She loves a realization, loves it. And this must all be showing on her face because Edward's like, um, are you okay? Do you want to go home? And she's like, no, nah, I'm all good. And then they charge up through the forest and it was mostly flat. And then he held the ferns and the webs of moss aside for her to get through. So very gentlemanly, it'd be the perfect day if he just doesn't kill her. And when there's like fallen trees or boulders in the path, he lifts her up by the elbow and his cold touch on her skin makes her heart thud erratically. And so I'm thinking, even if he doesn't murder her specifically, she still might end up having a heart attack just because she's spending time with him. So he's, he's bad news for her all around. And she says they mostly walk in silence, except for when he asks a random question, again, about her birthday, her school teachers, her childhood pets. And again, I'm thinking, he's trying to get your information to hack into your email accounts. And she does say, in regards to the question about having pets, she says, I had to admit that after killing three fish in a row, I'd given up on the whole institution. And then he laughs like really loudly at that. How'd she kill three fish in a row? Um, is she a sociopath, serial killer type person as well? I mean, the poor fish. And, and the fact that he just thinks that's hilarious is also a bad sign for him. And then after several hours they finally get to where they're going several hours what a horrible date because the whole way there you're thinking oh shit if it's taken this long to get there i'm gonna have to walk back if i was bella i'd be like okay you're lifting me over rocks how about you just carry me and run 
Like, you're a supernatural being. Just, just carry me, mate. You've already alluded to the fact that she can run really fast and stuff. Just, just let's just cut the shit and just, like, make it easy for me. At least piggyback me home, you know? And she notices that the canopy is getting lighter, but she's like, are we there yet? And he said, nearly. Do you see the brightness ahead? And she's looking through the thick forest and she's like, hmm, should I? And he says, maybe it's a bit soon for your eyes. And I'm like, Edward, don't brag because you just got sprung by Charlie and Billy Black coming up the road. Like you saw them coming, but you were a bit too late to stop being seen by them. So your eyesight's not, not too crash hot either, in my estimation. And so they get to the meadow and the meadow's like a big deal. So apparently it's like the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. It's small and round and filled with wildflowers. And she can hear the bubbling music of a stream. It was sunny and that filled the meadow with a haze of buttery sunshine. And she's awestruck walking through the grass and the flowers. And I'm like, like, bitch, it's just a meadow. You're You're just in a meadow. You've already told us that you don't like all this stuff. You like brown things. You like the desert. But okay, yeah, no, sure. Be impressed with the meadow. So she turns around and she sees Edward still standing at the edge of the meadow in that little bit of darkness. And so she looks at him and her eyes are alight with curiosity. And he's looking back at her with his eyes, wary and reluctant. So they're very good at nonverbal communication. They're really good at just looking in each other's eyes and being like, this is what's happening. So she smiles encouragingly and beckons him forward with her hand. He holds up a hand in warning and so she hesitates, rocking backwards. So it's a little bit too much nonverbal communication. He could have just said, step back for a second, Bells. And she would have been like, hey, Edward, come over here. But no, they're like, let's just do this nonverbally. It's it's more cinematic for the book we're reading. And he takes a deep breath and he steps out into the sun. (gasps) Cliffhanger. That's the end of the chapter. God, she loves to end on a cliffhanger because I bet you're thinking, oh my God, we're finally going to get to see him in sunlight. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? And I'm going to tell you, don't get your hopes up. Do not get your hopes up. So now that I've managed your expectations, chapter 13 is next and it's called Confessions. I'm not sure what there is to confess. We know he's a vampire and that he's probably going to kill her eventually. And every question that she should be asking, she's not asking. So don't know what he's going to cop to, but Chapter 13 Confessions next week. I'll see you then. As always, hit me up on Twitter at podbreakingdown or send me an email to breakingdownpod at gmail.com. I'd love it if you could rate and review and subscribe and all that stuff. That's always fun. So hit me up with your best reviews. Five stars is appreciated. And then I'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.